Yo, we live in difficult times. There's war, political unrest, the pandemic, poverty, families being torn, communities ripped by gun violence and people dying every day. Police, injustice, it's all bringing so much pain. But y'all, we can look inside our minds and we can understand who we are, become better, and do this thing like we've never done it before. But it all starts with our mental health and I know we can do it. I believe in you because I believe in me and I believe in us. When we look now, we begin to understand the history of the African-American in short, because I really didn't do it justice but I wanted to give you a little idea. Today, African-Americans are disproportionately experiencing heart disease, diabetes, and many other health conditions. I wonder what role mental health plays in all of this. And as a therapist, I wanna help people help themselves. It would be ignorant for me to approach a black client without understanding and considering how this history of injustice has impacted their physical and mental health. So before I go any further, I would like to talk a little bit about some statistics related to the mental health of African-Americans. About 6.8 million or 70% of black people are diagnosed with mental illness. And that might be low because everybody won't go and see somebody or maybe there's no availability. 63% of black people believe that a mental health issue equals personal weakness. You see, there's stigma related to it. Think about it. You've been trying to prove yourself for so long in an environment where you was considered to be less. You was willing to do double the work, double the time, double the effort, just so you could be accepted. So anything that makes you seem a little bit inadequate, you look at it, you examine it, and you say, mm, I don't got that problem. That's not my issue. I don't need that help. Because you know, if you get that help, somebody gonna think you crazy. And when people thinking you crazy, guess what? You feel threatened. Like you won't be able to do what you really wanna do. I gotta say right now, when I was in Strongsville, far out on the west side of, of, of Cleveland, I used to think, mm, I wouldn't do that well in practice there. But to the contrary, from the time I got there to the time I left, I was seeing clients. Every day I was there. And they never saw it as uh, being a weakness or, or a problem. They saw it as necessary in trying to elevate their lives to the next level. You see a difference, their frame of reference. They didn't seem threatened by doing it because they didn't think that it represented something really being wrong with them, where African-Americans would think, ah, I must be crazy. See the difference? In 2019, 50% of incarcerated African-Americans suffered from mental health issues. Mm. In 2020, 37% of black people received mental health treatment, leaving 63% of those people needing treatment without. Yes, 
it's hard to get in because it's not enough. It's not enough. 33% of African-Americans do not consider anxiety to be a mental health illness. And maybe because they've been living with it for so long, it's become functional. So they don't see it as a problem to be a little keyed up or wired up or always ruminating about their concerns. They function in that place. So it becomes a, an adaptable place to kind of be. 22% um, of African-Americans don't consider depression to be a mental illness. Important to understand if we've been so low. African-Americans' abuse of alcohol and substance abuse is only about 6.9%. And that is critical because I know in my hood, there's a place to get alcohol or, or drugs on by every corner. Man, I tell you, we've been noticing over the last few years an increase amongst suicide rates amongst African-Americans. And I think in the last year, I have never seen as many as I've seen in the last few years. Maybe pandemic, other things, but a lot more of our young people, particularly between the ages of 25 to 34, are now taking their lives. In general, the prevalence of mental health conditions amongst blacks and whites is approximately the same, but black people are less likely to seek help. In general, the prevalence of mental health conditions among African-Americans and white are approximately the same. However, the history of racism, dehumanization, poverty, oppression, and violence have cause trauma. And all of these factors increase the prevalence of mental health conditions among African-Americans. Coupled with this, help-seeking behavior is affected by mistrust of the healthcare system, and this lack of treatment causes conditions to worsen, resulting in co-occurring conditions, two or more conditions that are present at the same time, which further increase the prevalence of mental health conditions. Yeah, people have things on top of things. And oftentimes you're trying to work with them through a number of things. I say as a therapist, I'm not just helping people address a diagnosis. I'm trying to help them solve problems because oftentimes when you are oppressed, you face poverty, you have all these other things going on. You tend to be struggling in more ways than one. So let, let's explore some of the race, cultural, Pacific mental health issues. We're gonna talk about post-traumatic slave syndrome, which was coined by Dr. Joy DeCrew, is a condition experienced by black people as a result of multi-generational trauma we experienced from centuries of slavery and continued experience of overt and covert racism. Overt and covert, even though, hey, slavery ended, there's still ideas and beliefs out here that we harbor, we hold on to that's remnants of slavery and it's still affecting how we experience life. And as a result, we find ourselves in a place where many African-Americans may experience this thing we call vacant esteem. This occurs due to the lack of development of our basic sense of self-worth or value and can lead to emotional numbness, hopelessness, depression, and general self-destructive outlook. I think about We Real Cool by Gwendolyn Brooks. Powerful poem, check it out sometime, but it speaks to this image. Yeah, we lurk late, we strike straight, we then gin, then sin. Uh, read it, it's awesome, but it speaks to this. Internalized racism. Essentially, we embrace racism. We become racist towards ourselves. Sometimes I've heard people say, we like crabs in a bucket. 
We don't want nobody to get out. We don't like ourselves. The results of racism and prejudice on us, we internalize it. So we hurt each other. When I see this sometimes, I think and wonder about the 90s and how there were so many shootings in the black community. And when I think about suicide and I think about all the lives being lost, well, perhaps depression or suicidal ideas is when depression becomes internalized. So we take ourselves out. But other times when we become depressed and we feel low, we externalize and it becomes anger. And so we hurt others versus hurting ourselves. You know, this theory emphasizes the point that trauma is trapped in our DNA and can be passed down from generations. Epigenetics has established this point and we need to understand that in breaking cycles, we must change the way we think and act. Trauma causes trauma responses, which are responses designed to keep us safe and protect us from continuous harm, but are not concerned about higher levels of functioning, such as identifying and fulfilling our purpose, dream attainment, and self-actualization, causing us to be stuck in our trauma and stunted in our development and impact on the world. There's historic trauma, the person who's been abused, for more than 10 years by a family member. There's cultural trauma, the trauma that black people experienced at the killing of George Floyd by the police. There's ancestral generational trauma, transgenerational trauma. This is the collective trauma of a group of people that's been endured for time by our descendants and subsequent generations beliefs, ideas, thoughts that we hold on to that keeps us stuck. Racial trauma, ongoing example, the black person who experiences panic and anxiety when they have to be in environments where they are all around white people, not believing that all white people are bad, but being in environments where they feel that it always a potential threat that something bad may happen. Think about what happened in Buffalo a couple of months ago. When we deal with trauma, it affects our body. It can impact our behavior by causing us to be agitated, hostile, hypervigilant, which means we're always looking around, looking for danger, looking over, our, looking over our shoulders, waiting for something to happen and something to go down. That don't feel too nice. Psychological, we have flashbacks. We're always thinking about something that might be Dangerous things trigger us to feel fear, feel that we cannot trust. It's hard for us to feel at peace. We might lose interest in doing things that we really enjoy. We lose interest in, we're not motivated. We feel shame, we feel lonely, we feel anger, cycle sadness. We feel emotionally detached, not really connecting with anyone. And of course, with this, our functioning. We have problems sleeping, we avoid activities. Um, it's hard for us to invest in any activities. Cultural paranoia, the adaptive and useless response that one has to their hostile surroundings leading to black people being distrustful of white people and white society as a defense against threats of racism and discrimination. Feeling rejection and vulnerable in public. People talking about you or watching you 
People are trying to cause you minor distress. People are trying to cause significant harm to you. I love it the way James Baldwin talked about it. To be a Negro in this country and to be relatively conscious is to be in a state of rage almost all the time. Another important factor is the criminalization of black use. Think about Trayvon Martin, how he was seen to be a criminal. Think about our kids in our schools who oftentimes are seen to be criminal for just doing things that kids do, right? Like when my friends came over, oh, these were bad boys. Well, these kids that play or joke at school, oh, they're bad boys. And they're being moved towards the criminal system. What about the Central Park Five? How they were innocent, but just because they was in the park at the time, something horrific happened. They were criminalized, put in jail, and had to live many years incarcerated, all because somebody assumed that there was something that they wasn't. The oversexualization of black girls and black women. For over 400 years, we've looked at black women and they've made them a Jezebel, made them someone that they could just go in and they could rape multiple times without any action being taken against them because it was legal for them to rape black women. It was justifiable to overly sexualize them and not see them as decent, human beings. This plays out today, not only in the larger culture, but even in our own culture, we don't oftentimes embrace ourselves, embrace black women as the queens that they are. But sisters, you are queens. You deserve everything that your beauty inside and out brings you. But you don't have to be what they said. You can be what you was meant to be because you was created with purpose and you can live in that. So with all that being said, I guess I'm appealing to you. If you feel like you're struggling with trauma, pain, suffering, other things in your life, depression, anxiety, be made aware. It's important to seek therapy. Don't be afraid because it can help, especially when you're talking about someone who understands some of the history and has clinical knowledge around how to approach African-Americans, culturally sensitive that is, because we're dealing with the, the stresses of racism, inequity and disparity, poverty, debilitating illnesses, and within our groups, man, there's so much conflict and confusion. We gotta learn how to work together, but I know we can do it. And of course, if you're a first generation anything, look out, right? Y'all, we got to learn how to work together because for many of us, we're the first generation. So we got to do what we need to do to make things better. We got to come together as black and white people, all walks of life. You know what? I hate using color because it's such a social construct. But no matter who we are, no matter what our creed, ethnic, color, we are all the same. So we can dispel these crazy social constructs around race and we can create a better world, but we can't lie to ourselves and deny how we got to this place. If you would like to seek out therapy, there's a lot of resources out there. There's therapy for black girls, 
There's the Professional Black Christian Network of Greater Cleveland. There's the National Alliance on Mental Health, Greater Cleveland. And they also have a text line, NAMI, Digital Counseling, uh, the National Society on Text NAMI to 741741. And you can get National Suicide Prevention Number 1-800-273-8255. I want to say thank you for listening today. If you have any questions, please submit all your questions to Everyday is Life Podcast at gmail.com. And our next episode, we'll be discussing those emotions. Mother always said, if I can control my emotions and make good choices, I'll go farther in life. First, before we can really control our emotions, we need to understand them and know how they play a vital role in our health and well-being. See you at our next episode. We will be discussing this, and I think it's going to be lit. Talk to you next time, and I hope you have a wonderful Juneteenth celebration.